Hey, this is Brian Golden. I am the lead pastor of Centerpoint Church, and I just want to welcome you to our podcast and thank you for taking the time to listen. And I just want to let you know if you are in the greater Tampa Bay area, we would love to have you join us at one of our gatherings. And here's the thing about Centerpoint. Our vision is really simple. We want to be an alternative to church as usual for all people. And that just means we want this to be a safe place that welcomes everybody, doesn't matter what your background is or really where you're at on your faith journey. And so if you want any more information about our gatherings, go to our website at centerpointfl.org. And then most importantly, whether you're a longtime follower of Jesus or you're just in that place of investigating faith, I really hope today's message encourages you and really helps you to find life and freedom in Jesus. All right, so uh, my name is Brian Golden. I'm the lead pastor of Centerpoint Church and the host of Unfiltered Radio, and this is uh, Unfiltered Talk podcast, and uh, fairly new. We've been at this for a couple weeks, uh, so if you're connected to Centerpoint, centerpointfl.org, or Unfiltered Radio at unfilteredradio.com, glad you're uh, either watching, listening via podcast, and then we have a bunch of other people joining us, so uh, what our goal is during this season, specifically with what we're walking through, just in our community, in our city, is uh, we're interviewing different people uh, from different perspectives, from business to healthcare to uh, counseling and mental health, just to just to give direction and insight um, as individuals, as families. And so I'm uh, really honored to have Dr. Kevin Hall on today, and he's been a really good friend of my wife and I for. I think almost 10 years now, and uh, huge, uh, just help to us and friend to us. He is a licensed counselor in Lakeland, uh, Florida at Hall & Associates. Uh, he is an LMHC licensed mental health counselor, um, assistant professor, uh, faculty advisor uh, at Liberty University, and then therapist, professor, author, and I don't know how many books you've authored, Kevin, but there's a few or co-authored. Um, and then one of his specialties or his specialties are working with children, adolescents, and adults uh, diagnosed with neurodevelopment disabilities. So you're a busy man, um, a lot going on, and uh, I know Kevin's got a lot to offer. So thank you, Kevin, for taking a few minutes to join us today. And I'm, I'm just going to dive right into it to ask you uh, a couple questions around uh, just what all I'm more than ever before. This is uh, it's a weird season in that no matter seemingly where you live, like I have a friend I'm on a call with tomorrow from Italy, like there's a shared experience uh, nationally and globally, like none of us have ever experienced before. Um, and so my first question is just for all of us, I don't care where you're coming from. There's been some level of stress, anxiety, fear during this season, whether it's ongoing or whether it's, there's just moments of it. And so, um, so as we walk through COVID-19, what, what has that done to our stress levels? Um, just so we can kind of understand, because I, I think a lot of times we don't know how we're processing uh, all that's going on uh, during this season. So what, what is it doing to our stress levels, our brain? How are we responding to this maybe in ways we don't even realize? Yeah, well, first of all, thanks for having me. Yeah, uh, it's great to talk to you. And um, yeah, per you mentioned processing. I I think the biggest part of all this is a loss of normal. And on the other side of that loss of normal is what is the truth? 
Uh, what can we believe? What can we believe? Our brain looks for the norm to steady us because if we can find a context of a normal or a familiar, I've been through this before, I know what to expect. Um, the closest to this any of us have ever done, especially living in Florida, is when a hurricane is coming. Everyone right. kind of panics a little bit. It's the unknown. When is it going to hit? How is it going to hit? Everyone goes and stocks up. And then in five to seven days, it's over. Yeah. And then we quickly resume back to normal. So the loss of normal and the lack of familiar, we've never really been through this before. So that takes um, on a number of levels. The first level is we lose our sense of safety, which there's a part of our brain connected to the sympathetic nervous system, which activates the fight or flight response. And we constantly question, am I safe? Am I not? And then we move to, is my family safe? Are they not? Is my community safe? So it just kind of breaks down from there. And the more that we hear, you know, the, the world is, is, you know, first we all heard about Italy and how bad it was over there. And then it started to make its way here, New York City first, and then it kind of spread around. So there's this sense of impending doom. And when that happens, then we, we go into that deeper level of fight or flight, which is paralysis. We just kind of sit. And so the, the double-edged sword is this lockdown thing. On the one hand, great way to prevent the spread of a virus, horrible way for us as human beings to cope with something because we really use the relationships with others and we use the brains of others to co-regulate and feel safe, feel connected. Um, you know, I think growing up, e even when my family lived in Rochester, New York, I, I think we missed maybe two church services in, you know, 10 yeah. years. Yeah. Uh, and, and to go, you know, into week seven and not be able to go to church is just this strange thing. And so um, the initial shock of it is that fight or flight. And then as this continues, um, you get things below the surface. You, you get things where, um, just this ripping away of the sense of self uh, mm -hmm. for people who can't go to work. Think of how work is a whole layer of safety for a lot of people. It's familiar. It's the yeah. routine. Children going to school. I've actually had kids in my office tell me they miss school. Yeah. They miss the routine. They, they have dreams about going back to their classroom. And I've talked to high school seniors who are grieving that they took for granted everything about their senior year, and now they want to do it over again, but it's gone. Yeah. And so um, there's a sense of shutdown, and then there's emotional reactivity, because as stress lowers our ability to cope, then we become emotionally reactive. So anger, frustration. These, these, these deeper negative emotions start to come out and um, we really feel a total sense of out of control is what it comes down to. Uh, um, 
Yeah, it's interesting what you just said. Like the the best thing we could relate it to in Florida is a hurricane. And the, the interesting thing about that is even in that, as you're preparing for it, you're out and about, you're talking with friends, you're helping neighbors, you know, board up their windows. And then right after it, there's this sense of community in that we're going to recover together as a community. We're going to help each other remove limbs from the street. That's what's so incredibly difficult about this is even in our attempts to get back to some normalcy or help our community, we can't do it uh, together. So like people are making masks in isolation in their home. And it's just, um, I think that's what makes it so difficult, even from something as a hurricane. And we, you know, people have been through some really difficult experiences with that, but even that there's more community in healing that we just, we're not able to get to yet. Um, whether it's just a community as a whole or our church community. Um, my question with what you were just talking about there in terms of whether it's anger or whatever, what are some of the things that I think maybe number one that we can do to identify kind of the second layer of emotions, which I think you just mentioned, because a lot of times our, our initial is just, we point to the economy or we're afraid for our health or our company and not really realizing what's below all of that stuff. Um, how do we, prepare ourselves for how some of the long-term effects of what this is doing to us right now and, and kind of whatever you want to call it, resetting or being aware of how to kind of pull ourselves out of the debilitating effects of some of that. Yeah. One, one way of that is to be in the moment. So now a lot of us on the surface will say, I want, I don't want to be in the moment. I want to get out of this moment because for parents who are trying to homeschool their kids, for people who haven't been able to go to work, the moment is not real pleasant. Yeah. But when I say the moment, what I mean is grounding yourself to truly the only place we exist is right here, right now. So letting the fear of the future, letting the regret of whatever the past might be, letting that go and simply focusing on what is around me right here in this room, in this space. Um, and of course, that involves my senses. What am I touching, breathing, noticing what my body is doing? So that's the idea of being in the moment. If you were a prisoner of war, and um, if you've ever read accounts of people who were kidnapped or had to survive these type of things, they talk about doing whatever they can to be in the moment and maintain a sense of connectedness. So drawing in the dirt with their finger, you know, making these elaborate, um, you know, diagrams in the sand or um, you putting little sticks together to try to make a trap for a bug, um, just something to stay grounded in the moment. The opposite side of that is visualization. One of the things that people do that whether they're long range endurance athletes or uh, they have to get through difficult circumstances is using using visualization of in this situation it's going to be over eventually mm -hmm. um, yesterday i drove over to the coast and a lot of the the beaches were opening up um, and that felt good to see I, yeah. I noticed there was something inside of me kind of okay you know i my brain is craving that sense of this is normal um, this is familiar. So visualizing that this will end eventually. Um, and so 
grounding to the moment um, and being aware of what's going on in the moment and then using visualization to give myself some sense of hope that there will be an end uh, to this. And, yeah. and that can help um, just keep track. One of the long-term effects of what this um, situation can do is a sense of depersonalization, which is a loss of the sense of self, that yeah. I don't matter, um, I'm not important to anyone, and that who cares? And it's kind of that first step into despair, which then leads into long-term uh, various types of depression. But that loss of sense of self, when this continues on and on. So like I said, one of the worst things that we can do as humans is distance ourselves from other people. And they've found that uh, loneliness, prolonged loneliness has the same effect on a human body as alcoholism, as diabetes, mm. heart disease. It, that emotional component manifests itself in the same way. So um, it's nice to see that, you know, there's, there's in a lot of our communities, there's, there's more of an opening up of things. Um, but again, what brings us back to that space of feeling out of control is the fear. Yeah. And the, un, the unknown is really looming. How long will this go on? Will there be another wave of infection and all of that? So I actually recommend to the folks that I work with to not watch the news. Yeah. Um, I recommend that they get their news strategically. You know, if they want to know what's going on in their community, go to the cdc.gov. Um, to look at the numbers, the local numbers, but this ongoing churning of what's on most of the media is just the spawning of unknown speculation. Yeah. And that's really not helpful for our human brains, which is looking for some kind of grounding. And, um, and then, you know, the other, the other side of that depersonalization depersonalization is finding ways to reach out you know um some uh, key strategic people who've been isolated during this are our elderly population yeah. you know do you know an elderly person that you can call and connect with um you know there's there's ways that we can um you know do some visitation without getting too close yeah but when you step out your door and say, who can I help? There's a real um, uplift there of the sense of self that I'm making a difference, that I'm connected. And so that's a great way to battle that sense of depersonalization and the loss of self is to, even through electronic means, that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call a few people today and check on them. Yeah. Um, so yeah that's good and I, there's a lot of people watching or listening to this that don't have any faith or religious background but that's just that's just true of anybody and but if you happen to be a jesus follower or like that's that's deeply rooted in the scriptures too of the more we're self-consumed with our stuff or trying to predict the future or uh the more we're just um controlled by it 
and the more we're willing to give our lives away or serve others or reach outside of ourselves, there's just something to that, that, that changes our perspective, that resets us. Um, what, what would you say to those? And maybe you kind of already answered this, but I mean, anytime you're in a situation where, um, you, you don't feel safe, you don't feel a sense of self, like everybody has, um, uh, I, I, whatever word you want to use self coping mechanisms that they would, they they want to reach for something. Um, I think a few weeks ago, the, uh, I don't, I think this was a global number. I'm not really sure, but porn was up by like 11.6%, you know, on the internet. Cause it's just, you're reaching for something. So what would you say to those people where there's just the temptation probably is greater in this season, whether it's reaching for a bottle or it's shopping on Amazon or whatever, um, of yeah. not reaching for those things to self-soothe or whatever you want to say. Yeah. Self-soothing. That's, that's a good word. Um, the brain does not like us being, uh, rocked for very long. Um, yeah. it will force us into a sense of equilibrium somehow. So, the behavioral urge is I've got to soothe this uncomfortableness. And so um, for, you know, everybody has something that they struggle with. And if you notice, you know, whether it's snacking, uh, whether it's spending, uh, whether it's pornography, your, your urges that with your routine and your structure, you can usually keep uh, tamped down. If you notice, few weeks you know those that as a re reaction to stress has gone up and yeah. so um the the self-soothing is a natural process so that's that's where we uh the good news is we can overcome that and um one little technique that i teach people uh very often is uh to be able to relax your body so if we relax the body, the brain follows. And, and so part of relaxing the body is releasing the tension in the body. And so I teach people, if you just focus on your stomach area and just take a, a minute and just relax your stomach muscles and just let those muscles kind of blob out. Um, and if you notice, I, I fell back in my chair a yeah. little bit and I did it. My shoulders went down. Uh, when you release the the core muscles, um, the tension leaves the body. And as that tension leaves the body, the signal is sent to my brain that I'm not under attack. There's no danger. Um, we've lost the ability in our culture to discern what's a real threat versus an imaginary threat. Mm. So the new tiger in the grass is that deadline of this project that I have to finish or I'll die. Or my kid has to have this certain thing or they'll have a meltdown. And if they have a meltdown, I'll die. That's yeah. what our brain, you know, we tell our brain these things. And yeah. so wow. by relaxing the core, you set the stage for your body to go tension free. And when that happens after a few minutes, the brain then regulates back out of the sympathetic nervous system to the uh, parasympathetic. And if you add breathing to that deep breaths where you fill up all your lung space down into the core, 
they call it belly breathing, taking a full deep breath into the belly and then up and out. And if you do several of those, you know, 10 to 15 of those at a time, you'll notice that, oh, wait a minute, I wasn't really hungry. Um, I really don't need to do what I thought I was going to do. You've reset yourself back to being in control. Yeah. If you think of the brain as your fist, this lower part of the brain is the brain stem. And that's where when we get reactive in that fight or flight, that area takes over. Mm-hmm. And that's where the impulsive behaviors, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's, it's survival mode down there. Yeah. Our higher order functioning is up in here, the, the executive functioning where we can decide, no, I don't want to do that. No, I don't feel the urge. I am not going to respond to that. Yeah. That's up here. Yeah. Also, for those of us as Christians, our knowledge of scripture, God, all of that is up here in this higher ordered thinking area, the frontal lobes. If we're operating down here, this is inaccessible. Mm. So all the more reason to get yourself grounded. And for those parents that are, you know, you wake up every day with that pit in your stomach. I got to teach my kid math and we got to get this worksheet done. And if we don't get this worksheet done, you know, just take a few minutes and ground yourself. Put this in perspective. I love my child. My child loves me. We may not do this perfectly, but we can do this. Yeah. And if you need a break, take a break, but go do some breathing, relax your body and reset the system. Um, so many parents I meet have so much guilt and regret because they reacted and they didn't take the time to reset. Yeah. So that's a very important piece. In, so good. You know, what can we do in this? Yeah. Um, you know, because for a lot of us, we're still waiting. There, there's going to be more waiting. Yeah. And um, phase one is nice, but when is phase two going right. to Right. You know, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm a swimmer, and I want my pool back. Yeah. And the YMCA isn't giving me my pool back. And so I'm impatient. And so I don't <laughs> like that. Yeah, we're also yeah. we're we're also Americans, and we hate being told no. Yeah, you're gonna tell us no. Yeah. Our ancestors got on a ship with no direction and just went across the Atlantic yeah. Ocean, you know, and landed on a rock and started over. That's and, a good know, point. I mean, yeah, it's in our DNA that that Viking, you yeah. know, just if all of us, no matter what race or creed, we trace back our ancestors. They did these unbelievable things there's a spirit of restlessness yeah in the human spirit and so um we all want freedom more than anything yeah i saw something the other day it's, it said there's nothing more american than we've just decided we're bored with this and it's over like we're just done with it and i like there's so much truth that we just get to the point where we just want to decide i'm done like i'm not doing it anymore i think a lot of people uh even i was talking to you this last week the phrase they used over and over again is i'm just over it I'm like, I'm just done, I'm tired of waiting. Um, the one thing I want to go back to, to what you just said, because I, I think it's so helpful and so important is, um, and to speak specifically to people of faith for a second, I think what you're talking about really, just so I can help clarify this for people who are listening or watching is, the scripture talks about us being mind, body, spirit, 
and how all those things work together. I think what you said is so important because uh, particularly in the church, sometimes if I could say it that way or among people who uh, profess to be Christians is sometimes we can uh, devalue the relationship between the body and the mind and spiritually, how all that works together. So in this season, there's a, you know, for uh, those of us who are, are Jesus followers, there's a spiritual component, even to the rooting in the moment that you talked about. And, um, but I think just to clarify what you were saying, I think sometimes we can't even get to that place where it's sit down and have your quiet time or whatever language you want to use and you walk away and you're no better off because you know, functionally, your body's not even a place where you can receive any of that or it makes any difference. And so is that relation, is that the relationship between the physical and the spiritual and how we really, there's a, a component of even preparing ourselves to hear truth for it to matter. Like, you know, if you're Romans to the transformation of the mind, but a, a lot of times there, there has to be some work that goes into even getting us to that place to hear those things or for that to make a difference in our life. Yes, and, and if we look at the life of Christ, how many times did he get away? He got still. Yeah. Um, he went to the quiet places. And so there's so much din in our lives. And, you know, Americans, once again, we invented the drive-up window. You know, we invented the push-button everything. We, yeah. we invented Alexa, you know. So there's this idea that, oh, wait, I need, I've got seven minutes to have this you know, Kierkegaard-like um, epiphany from God. And so I need an answer to this prayer right now. Go ahead. I'm going to pray. Boom. You know, and so if people would do more of the, you know, like I described, relaxing their body. Um, and if you think of the, I talked about, you know, the brain, that upper level executive functioning, that's also known as the wise mind. And in Philippians 2, Paul writes about, you know, let this mind be in you. Yeah. And when we talk about the mind of Christ, it was grounded. It was centered. It was, he was, he was in the moment. That's what made him be able to connect. And yeah. so if our lifeblood is connecting to God, then, you know, there is this process uh, where we have to quiet our body, quiet our mind. And this is a discipline. So I tell people, you know, don't expect all of a sudden you're going to be able to do this. Just work at it a little bit each day yeah. and, and make it a process. And I've, it's been really neat to see people who've incorporated this into their faith practice, uh, be able to really, um, you know, shed the concern of the moment and, and find themselves in a better space spiritually because they could receive it. And I think that's why people crave that worship time at church so much mm. because it forces you to be present. Yeah. And, and I don't have to really work that hard. The church does it for me, yeah. you know, with the music and just the ambiance. And so we, we crave that. Um, and it's, it's really hard. So yeah, definitely. I think there's a spiritual connection to getting quiet and getting still, yeah. which is even more of a challenge now, because for a lot of us, we feel like our homes have been invaded. Um, you know, our, <laughs> our kids are there all the time. Yeah. Um, there's, you know, just, again, that loss of 
sense of normal for people who are trying to work from home. Oh my gosh. Yeah. They thought they wanted to at one time and then, you know, this is more challenging than they thought. Yeah, for real. Yeah. So you, that kind of segues to those of us who have kids that are home. So that that's where we're at right now. All the lines are blurred. So, you know, Nicole and I are working from home. We're trying to, you know, do that in the midst of homeschooling our kids. And um, so we were joking the other day, like we need a quarantine from our kids. Like we just need some space. They're here all the time. There's no breaks. So adjusting to all of that. But one of the things that's been interesting is, you know, three of our kids are, are pretty young. Our oldest, Brooke, is seven. So she's very much at the place where she understands everything. And um, w- one of the questions I had is, how are you aware of, or how can we be aware of how our kids are processing some of this when it, you know, it doesn't seem like from the outside that it's affecting them very much or impacting them very much. Um, and then the other day, like Brooke has a little city set up in her room where all, you know, everybody is quarantined um, and in their house in this little city that, so she's like role playing all this stuff. So it's, it shows that she's hearing a lot of the conversations that are going on. She's very um, understanding of what's happening. So I think one of the things we were asking is how, how can we be aware of, cause I think it's easy to dismiss. It's not impacting her at all. She's seven, but she's hearing a lot of this. There's, she knows about the sickness. She's talked about the coronavirus. So um, anyway, a long way of saying, how can we just be aware of how she is emotionally processing this? And what are some of the signs maybe that we need to be aware of in terms of just having conversations with her and helping her? Yeah, that brings up a, a great point. And I would argue that if you try to hide it from your kids, you're doing them a disservice. Mm. Um, you know, I think even a three or four year old deserves some explanation of why can't I go to my school? Yeah. And, and what is this virus thing? Um, but yet, on the other hand, we don't want to um, completely hit them with, with all of the raw data and the facts because their brains can't handle that. So yeah. some, some signs of stress in kids is um, when, they, when they don't sleep well, have a difficulty falling asleep or staying asleep. Um, if they talk about nightmares, mm. uh, bad dreams, um, a change in eating habits where, you know, they, they're not eating the food that they normally like, or they're eating a ton. Mm. Uh, they're just like us, you know, they, they're going to try to soothe. Yeah. And, um, so those are, those are some signs. And then just, you know, the beauty of children, they're very honest. Uh, they'll just ask you, you know, why can't we go to church? Well, because they want us to stay home. Why? Because yeah. there's a virus and we have to try to stay away from people. Why? You know, and so, and you've, your, your kids are right at that, the why stage. Yeah. Why goes with everything. And so, um, you know, those, those are some signs. And so relationship is a great way to walk your kids through and also do it at an age appropriate way. So for instance, we'll use Brooke, your seven-year-old, she set up this little city, you know, you can lay with her on the floor and say, tell me what's going on here. Well, there's this virus thing and the people are in the hospital and they don't know how long it's going to last. And, you know, and you can say, 
Well, do you have any questions about that? Do you know? Or, or you know, uh, what do you think is going to happen? And those those questions open up a chance for her to talk and to release her fears. Yeah. Younger children who are confused, you know, because all they know is I want to go to school and I can't, or I want to go to my program and it's gone. Mm -hmm. Uh, So grab some stuffed animals, grab some Lego Mm -hmm. minifigures, um, you know, and just play out scenarios of here's the president or here's the governor, here's the people that work for the governor. And they're telling us all these people over here that we have because we don't want anybody else getting sick. And that's what we have to do right now. So, you know, and then you can use play to deal with the loss. So playing out a scenario as if they were at school, um, you know, playing out, what would you be doing at school right now if, if you were there? Or if you could see your friend right now, uh, what would you like to do? Um, interesting. People I've spoken to who have told me, I didn't realize how much I valued being with people that, you know, now that this has happened, um, I can't wait to see my friends in person again. Yeah. Um, So I think a positive of this is going to be um, a sense of awareness and gratitude for the little things again that we've all taken for granted and that that could be removed at any time. And so um, I talked about visualization uh, with coping with stress and how important that is. We can do that with our kids as well. We can talk them through when this is over, what are some things that we can do together? What are some things you can do with your friends? Um, And just being in tune with them. The most important thing for parents to do is to be available. But if we're stressed, if we're in that shutdown phase, um, just kind of walking around like a zombie, we don't have the energy for relationship and connection. Mm. So I try to tell or I try to instruct parents that even those that are doing the homeschooling, even though you were with your kids for four hours from, you know, eight in the morning till noon, plan some time in the afternoon just for fun stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, do something different and creative. Move, move all the furniture out of the living room and just bounce around on, on some balls in there. Yeah. Or, you know, make a cushion fort. Or, you know, grab some sheets and make a tent in the living room. Like just yeah. something totally different in the same space, but with a few little quirks. Um, you know, we can, we can have some fun. And that helps kids when they see us in that space that helps them with their coping ability and then they can push through it. That's, that's so good. Um, And that's something we've tried to do in this season, just knowing everything's going to look different. So we try to adjust our schedule um, to, to kind of go with that. And I I don't know who said this, it's something I've talked to my staff about, but I I really feel like it relates to our parenting too, is the importance of just a non-anxious presence. Um, And the fact that everybody feeds off of that, whether it's, me on a zoom call or with my kids um the more anxious my presence is the more everybody else is going to be anxious around me so 
Um, that is so good. So uh, the final thing, what, what maybe final advice would you give? And maybe, maybe specifically to those who are um, followers of Jesus walking through this season right now, is there anything you would just say to them just in general of, of how to journey well through that? However long this is going to be, all of us are, are waiting and we're in the middle of what we used to know and what's new normal going to look like. Uh, what would you maybe say to them? Well, there's, um, it's interesting. Half of the, the Christian journey is the Holy spirit and, you know, just Romans eight twenty six and 27, that mysterious thing that happens yeah. where the Holy spirit just communes with the father and, and all of that. But then there's the other part of Christianity, which requires intentional will. And so, um, mm. While this time is chaotic and upside down, it can be a great time for personal growth and making a routine, setting aside time. Um, for instance, when I when I've talked to uh, couples or individuals, you know, one of the things that kind of shocks them is is when I say, you know, you you thought you wanted free time and now you have it, and now you hate it. Yeah. You know, because our brains want structure from the time we're little kids, you know, we, when we don't have free time, we want it. And then when we get it, we wish we had structure. So yeah. within this, being able to set aside time for a relationship, for solitude, for fun, work, but then also the spiritual component, um, you know, and, and making a commitment that when I tell my grandkids about this time, when I tell whoever about this time of life, I want to write the narrative that yeah. it was challenging, yeah. but it was also a great time of connection with God. It was a great time of spiritual growth for me, um, even if it was a struggle that I came back to the basics of my faith. And so yeah. setting routine, setting um, structure and schedule for our Bible time, for our prayer time. Um, and then, you know, I, I didn't realize this when I was growing up, but we did family devotions every day, uh, morning and night. Yeah. And, you know, when I was a kid, that was, that was challenging sometimes. But now that I'm older and I'm a parent, I realized how special those times were. And so part of the vision too is this is a chance for those of us raising children. This is a chance to show and pass our faith on. I yeah. mean, think about our kids and our culture. Why do they need a faith? If I, if I wreck my bike or I break a toy, I just get a no. Yeah. I, you know, and our, our, our teenagers, if, if my iPhone 10 breaks, I just get another one. Yeah. And so this is a time for us to really have to go without a little bit to have the unknown. These are times when faith becomes real yeah. because we have to go beyond what we can see, what we can hear. So I give that challenge to parents to just to shift their mindset that this is a great time to model all this stuff that we've been trying to teach them that without experience, it just doesn't have somewhere yeah. to stick. Yeah. That's so good. Um, would you mind just praying over, and we'll just end with that, praying over those who are 
uh, watching and listening uh, to this right now. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. I'd be, I'd be honored to. Our dear Heavenly Father, I come before you as your servant, as your child, and I just lift up all of those that you know right now who are really, really at the end of their rope. There are those who have lost jobs. There are those who don't know uh, how they're going to pay bills. Uh, there are those who have broken relationships, and now they're even more broken because of distance. Uh, there is a huge segment of our population that is imprisoned, uh, that cannot have visitors, uh, that cannot get their cases heard. Uh, the courts are shut down. Uh, there are people who are just really broken and hurting and being tested and tried in ways they'd never even imagined. And I just lift that all up to you, dear Father, for our families, for our parents, for our elderly folks who have now been in seven weeks. And we just pray for their hearts and spirits and minds as well. And we just come to you knowing that you are the author of all things. We put our faith in you. And even though we live in this broken system, uh, that your spirit is well alive and within us. And I just pray for encouragement and hope for each person who hears these words. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, Kevin, thank you, man. Thank you for your uh, voice. Uh, you've been a big impact, um, probably more than you know, on our our church and ministry. So th just well, thanks thank for taking you. this time. This was incredibly helpful. Okay, man. All right, I'll, I'll see you. you later. All right, bye-bye. Okay. All right, bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this message or have been impacted by Centerpoint Church in any way, would you consider helping us out in one of two ways? First, if you would just spread the word, share this message with your friends, family. Maybe you could go rate and review our podcast on your favorite podcast catcher, but this helps us so much more than you know. And secondly, this ministry is supported by people like you through their financial generosity. And so if you've been impacted by any of these messages, would you consider giving to support the mission and vision of Centerpoint to see people reach with the radical grace of Jesus? You can give today on our website at centerpointfl.org. And again, that's centerpointfl.org.